Transculture Express, the Artistania podcast, with your hosts Frida and Abilashen. Welcome to the second episode of Transculture Express. Today is going to be about the vibrant club culture scene here in Berlin and how will the pandemic impact the party scene and the musicians on the long run. Dance floors are a space of possible temporary utopia, ecstasy and freedom, an expression lift escapism and for many marginalized positions and communities, a safer space, a shelter and sanctuary. It's a collective sharing and growing moment in solidarity. Rebuilding what was there or rethinking and creating new forms of club experience. That is what we want to talk about with you today. And to do that, we have some wonderful guests. We have the band La Baile and we have Luam from the Club Commission. Welcome. Hey. <laughs> Hello. Thank you. Hello. Hi. Hello. That was a bit shy. Sorry. Hi. <laughs> yeah, thank you for uh, being here with us today. Uh, we're actually not only going to talk, we also will have a live performance with La Baile, a performance that at least maybe in our minds can bring us back to sweaty, dark clubs, nights <laughs> in basements mm. and early mornings at Cote Posatois. At least that's what I hope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. so talking about the dance floor, I think if there is one place that the music of La Baile is at home, It is the dance floor. They play a mix of brega funk and baile funk, and it's influenced also by other energetic sounds and styles of the global south. The band members have cultural roots from many places in the world, and La Baile is breaking these borders with their music through fun, humor, and a very provocative uh, style with a lot of well-deserved confidence in what they're doing. They released their first EP in 2018, and in recent years, they have been a supporting act for international artists, as well as organizing local dance workshops. La Baile is actually not a band to be described, it's more a band to be experienced. So even though we cannot bring the great dance moves of La Baile to you at home <laughs> in this podcast, at least... We can, with our ears, uh, we will experience some of that La Baile magic today. Um, so with us, we have Karamuru. Hello. <laughs> we have Sarah Kahlo. Yes, hello. And Luana Mandiquera. Hi. Uh, we also have two band members via Zoom from at home. Babix and Pitota. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and from the organizers, or like club culture, um, organizing and um, advocating in the interest of um, party organizers and collective, we have another guest that we warmly welcome, Luam Gebre-Mariam, board member of the Berlin Club Commission and founder of the Awareness Academy program. And you have so many other functions, also storyteller at change.org, an NGO, and you're a moderator, host and curator. And you're also founder of the Brenn Party Collective, a feminist uh, BIPOC queer-centered collective focusing on 90s house music. Is that right? That is right, yes. Okay. <laughs> that sums it up. <laughs> and for all the others who are not aware of what the Club Commission in Berlin is doing, it's a club association founded in the 2000 and had 189 uh, members, clubs in Berlin. And it's like the first contact of the interest of the free club scene and promoters and representative in mediation of local political affairs. To begin with, uh, we have a little segment on the podcast, which we do with all of our guests because this is a podcast also about music. We are starting every podcast by asking our guests what was their last musical discovery. So you can name a song or a band that you recently discovered and share it with us and our listeners. It's so private. <laughs> do you know? <laughs> yeah, I do, I do. So I discovered recently um, an artist called Carla Prata. And uh, the title of uh, her song was, is Owner. And she's doing, it's a mix of Afrobeats and a bit of Kizomba and maybe kind of Pope. And it's really cool. So, yeah, you should check it out for sure. 
I will check it out and we can also uh, link to it in our Spotify playlist. Which will grow by the time with the next episodes because we're going to add all the recommendations of our guests. So I'll go next. Um, I found this song called, you might need to help me out here, Luana, Autre Lu by Fauté and Madison McFerrin. And yeah, I've been having this song on repeat. I think it's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> yeah. oh, Madison McFerrin is also a blast. Yeah, she's great. so great. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, now it's my turn. I'm, all right, actually, I'm just going to talk about somebody we are experiencing right now as a musician and we're recording. Um, it's a really special person, like really intelligent, really a lot of cool input still there's nothing you're going to find on spotify but soon gonna come i'm talking about a rapper um ventura mm -hmm. he is he gonna twist the kind of whole hip-hop game from direction from the approach he's doing i won't talk about all these secrets right now but i'm really <laughs> I, we have a lot of fun recording with him really mm -hmm. great so no, I think next. it's only you left. Um, yeah, so you said I'm um, more into the house and hip-hop scene, when I'm like a techno scene when I'm curating, but I'm like through this pandemic rediscovering hip-hop and R&B and soul, basically my roots. So um, I have been rediscovering a lot, like playing old songs, but I also discovered this French uh, chanson singer. Her name is Isel. Isel. Yeah. yeah, and she is yeah. bomb. Like um, a friend of mine, Rida Eid, he just produced her Colors Berlin um, video. That's how I came across her. And it was like um, really like goosebumpy, honestly. Mm -hmm. It's like, and, and the whole presence and the body positivity and everything around her is just like breathtaking, actually. So watch out for her. We do definitely going to be added to the list. Thank you for, for all of these uh, yeah, nice recommendations. I feel like at least I have noticed that I need some some inspirations in all in all kinds of fields and therefore it's also nice to get some yeah musical inspirations from you guys. <laughs> we want to talk about club culture today. And of course, the moment in time that we're in now, I don't think it would be an exaggeration to say that it's definitely a time of crisis for club culture. It's maybe the thing that Berlin is yeah, most famous for. And many people moved here because of the culture scene and, and the parties and all the kind of parallel universes that used to exist here. But the clubs were among the first places that had to close last year. Uh, it's almost, yeah, it's more than a year ago. And they still haven't opened. And I don't know, what do you think? How is Berlin without, without the clubs, without the parties, without the music? Just creepy. I mean... I have been going out at night and I don't feel safe all of a sudden because there's no one outside, there's no one eating a kebab drunk, there's no people <laughs> dancing. I don't know, like there's certain things that I'm used to. I live in the city because it's vibrant and it's active in nighttime, not only in clubs. So I miss that a lot and yeah, I think it's creepy. Yeah, it's also changing the rest of the city, right? Like you said, it's... The streets look different because there is no light nightlife. Because also we, um, as we have our studio in Neukölln, and normally it was really vibrant at night. Now it's like, okay, nobody's around. You just want to pass really quick back home with all my equipment and all my stuff. You know, it feels, like you say, it's not so, it doesn't feel safe. I have a, I would call it one of these um, vaporized machines that you would have for the parties. Smoke machine. Um, smoke machine. And uh, sometimes we just turn it on back home and try to imitate our little <laughs> rave. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, and it's not expensive, though. So it's 40 euros. You should get it at least just have the feeling. So, but uh, of course, it's 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 a huge part that is missing, and um, you cannot exchange it. You can just try to yeah keep on and hope one day it's gonna be different. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I'm definitely missing it too, but at the same time, it's just, uh, it's making me uh, focus a little bit more on myself and not really uh, just, I don't know, uh, escape. So um, I kind of, I'm, I'm learning how to, to deal with myself. I'm also learning how to celebrate myself with myself, by myself, um, and 
I kind of I, I, I like going to clubs, but I also enjoy being my own DJ at home and knowing that the next song on my playlist is one that I'm absolutely going to love and just, you know, break a sweat in my bedroom, <laughs> dance however I want, have enough space, not bump into anybody. I mean, so that's a positive side for me. But at the same time, I do miss I do miss the club culture of Berlin. It's one of a kind and it's um Yeah. It's just it's it's not really there right now. It's missing. Um, yeah, for, for for me too, definitely. I think um, the fact that I'm dancing and I'm a dancer, uh, and also someone that enjoys to dance uh, in a club and club during the night, it's it's I, I I miss it. It's it's not. I mean, I think you can cope. I mean, you can accept you accept the situation, but uh, there is definitely there is definitely a part of me who is not expressing because I think there is a huge difference when you dance with people. It's a huge difference when you dance in groups. It's a huge difference when you dance at night um, in certain environment with a certain uh, decibel of, of, of a certain volume. I mean, it affects, like, I, I realize that, I don't know, you come to this, this point of being in a trance, kind of. I mean, that's my part because I really, like, enjoy dancing <laughs> in clubs. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely missing. And uh, it's actually weird to imagine that we really could party like like for a year ago like and it was normal you know it was normal to just go out and now it's like oh let's meet one friend and <laughs> have this machine this smoke machine and stuff <laughs> I also bought something like a little light thing that you plug and then you have some <laughs> light effect yeah so there is a real craving I think um even if it's maybe underneath it's maybe not that expressive like I don't wake up and then oh amazing parties but like you know there is like this kind of craving for this, this the thing that we can't really reproduce for now i just stumbled upon this interview by club commission's um chairperson uh pamela schobes which was published in uh, the tats where in the interview she says the new normal uh with open clubs will be in winter 22 what do you think about this kind of a prognosis then well, we are all not vi virologists, so I don't know if the prognosis is right. Sorry, Pamela. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, I think, a very sober look into the future. Like, let's be honest, um, the vaccines are going slower than we expected. The club commission and stakeholders in, polit like in politics that are actually club political speakers for parties, etc. They have been working on concept for a year. It's not like they are not trying and... I, I don't think it's uh, good to get people's hopes up, but I know for a fact that people are working on different, um, different, yeah, you know, um, ways to do that. I don't think the fire is out. It's no. like mm. give us, tell us what we can do, and we will do it. Like everyone is like basically waiting for the gate to open. Like let's, do, everyone is ready to have a test center in front of the club. They don't yeah. care. Like <laughs> let's test everyone. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's like, I like, of course, I said it's creepy, but also I just miss being next to sweaty strangers, like <laughs> just, you know, enjoying and like, you know, music. I said, oh, music is intimate for me. It is, you know, discovering music can be such an intimate thing, you know, but it can also be like such an intimate thing with a stranger, you know, mm. and that that kind of feeling, you know, just being on the dance floor, closing your eyes, not knowing who's next to you and just enjoying the same music. Mm. I miss that. And I don't want to wait till winter 2022. So let's all work <laughs> together to make it happen, you know. Um, yeah, that's my I definitely Sorry, agree. Yeah. yeah, we should all work together to make this happen. And um I mean, music is my life, performing is my life, but my health is also my life. So I'm really just trying to be patient and take it one day at a time. I know at some point the clubs will open. I'm going to go hard. It's going to be a good time. Until that day comes, you know, I just got to take care of my health, find ways to stay creative, you know, and also earn. And um, yeah, just just... I mean, positivity is, is key at this point. And just knowing that, you know, each individual has the power to help prevent the spread of this thing. So, yeah, let's be accountable. Yeah. 
Mm. I think patience is really important. And if I see my mom, she's like 70 and still dancing. So whatever <laughs> is happening, you know, <laughs> I would take the same energy. So we're waiting. <laughs> important is that we're all healthy and that we are happy. And so um, at the start of the pandemic, I'm, I'm part of the Berlin Music Commission and I'm also a curator there. So we had discussions with all the clubs and about this topic. And there was like some opinions of like first, like provide people with money, which is called, oh, important. But the thing is, like in a situation where um, it's a kind of extreme, it's also possible to create new structures, which are totally necessary because you never know how long this whole thing is going to go and how we're going to uh, still keep a culture alive or how we keep creativity going, how we inspire other people and to new things. So we have to take this extreme, and out of the extreme come come new ideas. You see a lot of development in this in this short time in the VR and the AR sector, which is really good. Etna, for example, which was also a really amazing idea. And all these ideas are coming up in this extreme situation. Of course, I want the clubs back. Of course, I want the real thing. But what we, let's think about what might happen in one or two years and putting these two things together that we have learned through the time with the electronic and all these things. So we have, a, we have we create something new, fresh and um, interesting. And yeah, it's going to create also new jobs, possibilities. Yeah. And that's being said, like you were also already giving possible examples how alternative concert formats can look like. Or I mean, we're all like getting all these streaming uh, events that we are now getting to know. But what is your experience with that? And for your own also art artistic practices, for example, is that something that works for you? Or is there like certain limits that you figured out? I mean, I think... One thing that I noticed was that um, I guess earlier in the in the pandemic crisis, um, there was basically two options to either give free concerts from home, you know, or like a club experiences from home over the internet, or kind of um, have smaller events in larger um, venues and then jack up the prices. And for me, I didn't like those extremes so much because I felt like it was it was imposing some kind of exclusivity and even classism on you know people who usually had access to this kind of um, culture who no longer could have access to it because now you know if you wanted to be part of these 15 people to enjoy this cool concert you got to pay 30 euros and it's like I actually want to see my colleague perform and I can't even afford to see my colleague perform like you know it's just these places where you usually get inspiration they're no longer accessible to you and then for your own like band practice as yeah. Baeli, mm. like how did you uh, like solved out these hard times and also like in rehearsing or when was your last concert and yeah when was oh. your last concert our last like yeah. physical concert yeah. with with an audience wasn't that yeah. Tag der Club Kultur yeah with Tag der Club Kultur yeah, was with like an audience, with, an, yeah. with an audience yeah. yeah yeah we had an audience of how many like between 25, 25. and 30 people yeah um, 30 people could show up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We followed those um, the um, the health regulations as as best as we could, and um, it was actually a, a very very intimate and and fun night. Yeah, we had some experience also with the streaming things. I, I can remember, like me and Sarah, for example, we had less a concert on the sofa. Like it was really a different thing, but then with the steam machine and the light and everything, it was kind of cool. I was laying on the sofa, could do my beats and everything. So for one time it was okay. And then we had another streaming experience with uh, Baili de Bossa in Yam, which was great for us because the sound system is great. But like not everybody got the same sound system at home or got neighbors who can ex accept it to put the sound system out loud. So it was, even if it was streamed for everyone, which is nice, it feels like more for the uh, who, who's performing. Of course, audience is missing, but you're like, oh, again, sound, I can dance and everything. And um, yeah, and the more we did the streaming things, also like just you feel a bit disconnected, I think. And also there are a lot of tries how do you connect the audience again to it, which I can understand. Um, but in the end, it's not the same. And at least as we had the option to attack the club culture and to perform and let other people perform because our idea is also as a collective is to support young, young artists. Mm -hmm. um, it was for us in this way a success. So at least had a stage they could try it out. It was not so many people, but everybody who was there wanted to be there. <laughs> so at least you yeah. know. 
it was great and um yes i can imagine that you to a certain extent can recreate if people have some tools at home <laughs> say some light and maybe one person with them and stuff you can i think to some extent as i say <laughs> um create a feeling of being together i think it's improving more and more and um And maybe it's also a fact of accepting that it's changing. And I mean, change is not always easy to accept. So <laughs> I was super resistant. Okay. So I'm not going to, I was like Zoom class online. Okay. So, but, <laughs> but it's, 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 I did it. I tried it and, uh, and actually it was, it's cool. It's, it's nice. Yeah. There was a lot in, like in this round. Um, I think two things came to my mind. One being, um, to stay positive is also a bit tiring. Like for me personally, I feel like I need to grieve sometimes. Like one day I'm like, it's okay. I need to be patient. I'm going to keep this optimistic, positive vibe also for the community. And the other day I'm like, fucking hell. Um, and just want to stay in bed, you know? And I think we need to also feel these feelings because a big part of my life is just gone for over a year now. And it's it's like you need to grieve it, you know? It's not just, oh, you know, it's just a party. That's what people say. But we're talking culture, right? We're talking mm -hmm. your creativity. We're talking my creativity. We're talking music. We're talking art. We're talking people coming together, like the, the spectrum of people that come together in a club that have no way of crossing paths at mm -hmm. this point, right? I don't think we lack creativity or um, the will to change, right? And I don't want to say, oh, let's go all digital and that's it, right? But I feel like even after, or like United Stream is still running, but there's a global nighttime recovery group that is actually working globally together. How can we actually revive this sector, this, you know, culture? And that makes me hopeful. Thanks for that contribution, thinking of that. I really would appreciate like to see these kind of like measurements that have been taken that it will g give us the opportunity or like a glimpse of a hope for the future. And just wanted to talk about uh, the experience as a band and rehearse, which you also ask. Um, so uh, me and Sarah, we tried for um, at the beginning a way of uh, rehearsing through the internet. Um, I already tried it in 2014. How it worked in the latency was horrible. Like because of the situation, these programs are like from back then, these apps back then, they improved a lot in short time. And you can rehearse if it's in the city and it's the kind of, or maybe the same house, everything, you can rehearse together. It's possible for us as like um, tropical based collective, it's not so interesting, but like for others, it could be really interesting and it works. Just have to try it. At the beginning, it was a bit problematic, but we made it. We could like rehearse as vocals and we could play an instrument, play a sampler. So uh, this is a really nice part of it. And I think in future time, it's going to be improved. So you're absolutely right, Kata. There are definitely creative ways to kind of bring that live feeling back by using technology. Um, to me, it's not the answer yet. You know, I mean, still like when we had um, concerts at home, we were streaming. I was missing this, like this energy circle you get when you're performing live, all of these different vibes in the air, just really, you know, it can't be described. But um, I think step by step, if we're willing to kind of break this idea of going back to normal and really just thinking forward, um, there's definitely possibility awaiting our discovery. <laughs> That being said, I think like we have like cravings for live music and we have you here being part of this beautiful round with experts in this uh, realm and we would gladly like to have a try and taste of your music. That would be great. But of course. Bra, bra. Yo. La Bailey some shit. Right? Yeah. How's everybody doing tonight? Woo! Woo! Ain't that feeling? Come on! From unseren Rooftop, from Rooftop zum Penthouse, from Penthouse zur Straße, zurück in den Wagen, wir fahren den Bands auf. Köpfe drehen, 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 Exorzist, Ampel auf Rot, Duck, Face, das Safe wird an dich von Boeing geschickt. Motoren heulen auf, die Arena voller Meister. 
Zeit zum Sitzen. Das ist ja auch ein Podcast, da kann man sich ganz entspannt hinsetzen und zuhören. Aber es gibt so Menge Sachen, auf die man sich raussetzen kann. Zum Beispiel auch schlechte Meinung. Setz dich drauf. Setz dich drauf auf den Stuhl. Setz dich drauf auf die Bank. Setz dich drauf in der Metro. Setz dich drauf bei der Arbeit. Setz dich drauf Home Office. Setz dich drauf. Ja, 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 ja. Setz dich, setz dich, setz dich, setz dich, setz dich, setz dich drauf. Ja. Setz dich, setz dich, setz dich, setz dich, setz dich, setz dich drauf. Ja. Setz dich, setz dich. Setz dich, setz dich drauf, ja. Setz dich, setz dich drauf, ja. Setz dich mit dem. Ja, worauf eigentlich? Alle Ende auf dem Boden, Überfall, Boxen, Freunde, es eskaliert. Es eskaliert, ah, ah, ah. Alle auf dem Boden, Überfall, Boxen, Freunde, es eskaliert. Es eskaliert, komm on, komm on, komm on. Alle auf dem Boden, Überfall, Boxen, Freunde, es eskaliert. Come on. Setz dich <lacht> Next track, das ist like zack, 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 Mashup hier. Weiß Bescheid, okay. Wir gehen in die letzte Runde. You ready? Oh, Junge, kommst du noch klar? Du kommst mir ein bisschen zu nah. Beweg dein Bambam, Weiba Malandra. Ich will deine Liebe, ich will keine Spiele, echtes Feeling. Du bist perfekt für mich, für mich, für mich, für mich, für mich, für mich. Für mich, für mich. Oh Junge, kommst du noch klar? Du kommst mir am bisschen zu nah, für dich mit dem Feuer. Ja, like, how would you say, balm, not balm, like balsam für die Seele. Oh. <laughs> yes. And it just gave okay, us like good. a glimpse of what we can maybe Food looking for forward if we can come together again and just celebrate life, music, vibes, and just 
like this just interaction within you like we were only three of us like in the dance <laughs> on the, dance the audience, audience. It, i felt like private concert there yeah. you go yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like you made it mama i made it, <laughs> <laughs> I made it. <laughs> yeah but you were the best audience in 2021 wow wow <laughs> for now i feel so, so flattered like only <laughs> i really feel honored <laughs> this this was my first concert in almost two years yeah wow I mean, this live setup is really make a difference, definitely. Yeah. And then also like feeling the urge to move with you while you're performing. This is really like healing. I would really say healing. But it, this was like a little a compilation or like medley of different yeah. songs. And I know some of them are already, like most of them were already released as right. far yes. as I know. But yeah. also looking or regarding in these like special circumstances, how is it for you also with publishing new music? Today's a special Today. day. Yeah. Yeah. Today we released um, our newest track, our our cipher, Basfalt cipher, called Elephant. And it's featuring Itande and Alice D. And um, yeah, we, we're celebrating hard on social media. <laughs> <laughs> we're having the time of our yes. lives. Yeah. Um, yeah. We made a really, really cool music video. So yeah. it's kind of nice to at least celebrate um, the vibes that that visual gives you with all the bright colors and the cool animations and just all the different personalities. But it, what is good is also like we keep on creating and it's also the part of the because dance is an important part and the one I can mm. talk about it too, um, that we create our choreographies. The situation of making really short sets like 15 minutes and stuff made us like because it's a different kind of music, you don't play just three tracks to the length of 15 minutes when you have this kind of music, you know, so you have to think more like a DJ. Normally, like, we meet every Friday on Zoom and we talk about uh, talk about how we feel because it's really important. The first thing I think, think is not only about creativity, but how we are emotional inside, what, what problems we have or how we could support, at least listen to the other one. And then we also come to the creative part and we share it or what success we made. So we're working, we, we have done, yeah, we made some cool stuff and there's a lot of tracks waiting to get out, so we're working on it. Yeah. yeah. So, so the way that you are creating has has changed a bit. Uh, I was wondering, what about your inspirations? I mean, because I feel like your music is transporting so much of this kind of this Berlin lifestyle, and and you know, your hymn to Kotbusatoa and and all those Späti re references. Um, like, is it hard to find inspiration for writing this kind of music in this time? Or do you just kind of have like a reservoir of all of those feelings and you can tap into them when you're writing, even though the circumstances are different now? I mean, we, we have a huge repertoire of music that we already written before the pandemic. And um, as, um, yeah, you need time to create these tracks and put them out. And so they also has like, a, they're just not out there. You have to really do professional and everything. So it needs time. So we can go onto this little saves that we got and take the ideas. But I understand like there's a huge impact that is like missing from from which you experience on parties. But uh, the, on the good side, like there's a lot of happening uh, online. So you get got all these information and you work with this. So they're coming up other trends. I think we work off of energies a lot. And I think even I think the perspective has changed a bit. So it's not so much about being confronted with these inspirations, you know, before our eyes outside. It's more about what we remember and how they made us feel and kind of like tapping into this kind of aura and then creating a, a story that references that feeling from ages ago. I think like that's that's the perspective at least um, I have when I'm writing and um, I'm, I'm looking for inspiration and it doesn't happen to be in front of me. Uh, from what I, 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 I see with our band is that we are like five people, so it helps yeah. <laughs> a lot uh, if we have to create something or like a song and we literally can have like a, the inspiration of five different people living different things. And I think we can always like use that. I mean, you can also do music talking about the situation now and like turning it into something which is enjoyable, not only like depressing and stuff like that. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> depends, but you can. And um, yeah, I, I think uh, there is still like a reservoir of, of like uh, things and inspiration and things to talk about that are not exactly around the situation right now. 
and we can still celebrate partying without really being in a club, I think, because we definitely, all of us have this spirit in us. And then also, like, um, La Baile, we we kind of, we have topics that we directly and indirectly um, talk about all the time in our songs. <laughs> so it's kind of like, we, we kind of rotate through these topics a lot, and... Um, you know, the, the pandemic hasn't really changed <laughs> those things. So, um, yeah, there's, 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 there's plenty of inspiration yeah. between the five of us, inside of us, outside of us. It's still there. Yeah. I'm noticing a lot of changes in myself. Do you notice, like, you changing, like, permanently? You don't know permanently. <laughs> I mean, don't say that. Like, don't say no. I mean, like no, you yeah. know, no. like uh, picking up new hobbies, like doing other stuff, letting go of people, etc. Like it's. I think it's super interesting because, yeah. um, I think Sarah, you said it before that you starting to like focus more on yourself and like yeah. looking within and so on. I think th there is something also very positive happening, like uh, not so much escaping, but like actually looking in the mirror and be like, damn, that's me. And that's all of it because mm -hmm. there's no other people to reflect off, right? So I think there's also, yeah, I don't know, good stuff also going on mm -hmm. in that sense. So just wondering if other people also feel, feel this vibe or... <laughs> Definitely. I mean, there's not as many distractions. So, um, you know, you, you got to look at yourself in the mirror every day and and and... You know, I think what I've learned during the pandemic is how to optimize my discipline. Now I really recognize when I'm not practicing or when I'm putting something off. Like I, I can't, you know, I just can't escape that. And so now it's learning the, the goodness and having a routine and, and creating that discipline for things to just keep growing. It's a good journey. But that's a good point, saying that it's a journey, so it's about really like the future, right? Mm, the Berlin nightlife had a lot to offer, but not everything was sunny and great, especially in terms of diversity and awareness. Can it be changed to create spaces where everyone can feel good and safe? Like, I would like to address this question to you, uh, Luam. For example, with your work with the Awareness Academy and planned uh, project, or also with your collective of Brenn, Like, what is the current status for you and the plans in the future? First of all, it's a loaded question that I cannot answer in, like, totality or it's just a reflection. I hope that's clear. Um, if you want your space to survive, then you should go there and pay entry and drink there and, you know, all that comes with it. And I'm referring also not to, like, obviously Berlin is a place where people with little resources, like me with Brennpunkt, We had no money and <laughs> we still mostly don't have money. So uh, nothing has changed. It's very like a, um, like a project that we just love to do. And, and I think there will never be a shortage of these things, right? But I think like if, you, if you're saying, I love this, this particular space, it caters to my community, be it BIPOC, be it LGBTQIA, then you should go to these parties. If if the clubs are reopening, then you should actually support these places. If you, you know, if you know of a collective struggling, like it's also like reach out to people and ask them if you can collaborate. We are nothing without the people that are actually running the clubs. We are nothing without the artists. We are nothing without the guests. So I strongly advise everyone to just be part of this process. You know, like if you have an idea that you've been dying to do for a year, just reach out to your favorite club and say, like, I think this could be a great way to start. Or, you know, um, when you say about how can we think differently, maybe this is a good time for collectives to start thinking about owning their own space. You know, it's never too late. So um, I think we shouldn't be too afraid of there not being an opportunity, but we should actually look within us like me as a black queer woman, like see in my community, who's there, who wants to start something, how can I support, like what are the resources that are missing, what are the infrastructures, how can I in my position of privilege on the board of club commission also maybe help with funding or 
I don't know, just get the right people together in a room. And I think everybody plays a role. That's not something that I can change in my role or club commission can change for the community or the scene. It's my, my feeling. So, But also when we think of this vibrant um, party and club scene in Berlin, with all these different subcultures also coming together, there was also this term of decolonization also applied on club culture, especially in this place here in Berlin. What does that mean in general, like uh, for you, um, to which extent a club scene can reflect on that and who is like profiting on certain things or um, legacies of, in, in particular, queer BIPOC communities, for example? Well, I mean, considering that safety is is quite relative. I definitely think um, venues can make safer spaces, and um, I think there's like a lot of uh, of accountability that needs to be taken when it comes to that. Um, I think decolonizing club culture has a lot to do with the venues themselves picking up practices that are anti-racist um, and anti-homophobic and um, like creating, you know, codes of conducts or systems for just in case situations of, of um, accused discrimination or things like that. I haven't really seen that so much and I would love to see it. I would also maybe love to see, you know, more financial investment in, in maintaining this type of knowledge in, in the club scene and maybe even um, opening up networks so that they can collaborate with people from, from these marginalized communities to take them out of the margin, bring them into the center and make them really a part of the decision process and, um, you know, creating these quotas and, and, and guidelines until it becomes normal to have a, a diverse staff and to have, um, you know, di diverse doormen to make sure that the, the lineup is diverse. Because I believe that the, the audience or the guests that come to the venue are definitely like a reflection of the venue itself and how it's being organized and how it's being marketed and advertised. So I definitely, like, I see a very reciprocal process. I see the queer community and the BIPOC community being supported. And then at the same time, the club's therefore also being supported. I, th I see a very beneficial relationship that um, has a lot of potential that can be strengthened. I, I also see that it's beginning. Um, I can imagine that the pace could be a little bit faster, but yeah. Um, in terms of like streamlining maybe the efforts of clubs or having a code of conduct, I mean, you and me, we spent yesterday night in um, the so-called Awareness and Diversity Roundtable that is actually happening every two months, which is inviting people, staff, um, boss, like from, from like every staff member, basically, and institutions and like all these stakeholders in club culture, they come together every two months and talk about different aspects of diversity or, or awareness. Like, um, what what I've learned in my now third year with the club commission is I cannot go and be like, hey, X, Y, Z club, this is the code of conduct. You put it on, like you do these courses, you get this stamp and that's it. It's not going to work like that. You know, it has to kind of be a, a lift process of understanding why certain values or certain concepts should definitely be part of your club structure. And that would also obviously include reflecting like like from where i'm standing today even in the pandemic we're going with big steps forward like awareness academy was unthinkable three years ago last year it happened now we're you know we are holding online meetings with like 60 people during a pandemic three hours 60 people Whoa. basically like talking and sharing and listening to experts experts being people that work in the club scene and i just i when it comes down to diversification and awareness i'm super like hopeful like i'm not even a little bit afraid because people take spaces now they come they set the agenda they you know there's something happening that i don't think is happening in any other aspect of club culture at the same pace that is happening in in that particular area so very hopeful oh, that's really good to hear that you're confident that stuff is 
uh, happening and change is, yeah, change is coming. <laughs> uh, I was wondering if maybe uh, Babix would like to add something? Yes, I also like uh, to relate it dance with decoloniality, you know, as, as I'm a, a dancer as well. I'm a performer, dancer, painting. But in La Baile, uh, I sing and I dance and I sing uh, and dance funk, uh, Brazilian funk, no? And it has to do a lot with uh, pelvic movements, the dance that I make. And I think these pelvic dance movements are linked to an ancient knowledge and other technologies. And I think it's important to understand the dance and the music as technology as well. For example, when, when this dancing that I do with this pelvic movement, thinking as technologies, no, they can facilitate the orgasms when having sex, lubricated the vagina, um, it brings happiness, pleasures, and, and also can help during the childbirth. So you have a lot of knowledge that is not only the dance. But it's also important to see the dance not only associated to the sexuality, also disassociated of sex. Pelvic movements, they don't have to be a taboo. And I think, uh, why not we don't have this kind of uh, dance and music like funk in kitas or schools? And by doing this dance, uh, I think it's important to bring safe place for women where they feel comfortable, where they feel not ashamed or feel repressed. Many women, when dancing in, in, in quotes, so an essential uh, way, have been erased or judged because of it. I think it's necessary to understand that the dance is not an invitation for the man to a sexuality. We need to accept this kind of dance in the same way uh, in the same way that ballet is accepted. Bailarinas are not hypersexualized when they open their legs. I think Europe is still conservative with the body, and consciously they carry many Christian morals. As for example, in the Christian mythology, the body is in a place of guilt. In the Afro-Brazilian mythology, it's in a place of celebration. And celebrating my life and my body with respect is what I want. This is what I have to say. Thank, thank you so much for bringing up these really, yeah, really uh, illuminating points about dance and the history and, and also the, the different cultural meanings and the politics of, of dancing, really. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to add something, but she, she said a lot of things. Um, I always talk from my point of view, okay, so as a, as a dancer and a member of a band, but performing dance and performing a certain type of dance, which is highly cultural. So I think decolonizing is also maybe a knowledge um, that's, um, that dance, for example, is not just dance. So if I'm performing and I use a certain movements and they have actually a background, they have a culture, they're linked to certain people, they have a meaning, even if I'm not directly linked maybe to the culture, but the fact they have a meaning for me. <laughs> so, um, and I think it's also, but maybe it's a bit broader than just decolonizing. It's just like, for example, dance, but also like performing or like DJing. It's it's art. It shouldn't be, she talked about ballet and it's so true. <laughs> In the dance world, there is like ballet and contemporary dance and then the rest. And then everything which has come from the street is not really as valid for a lot of people as like a classical standard dance so in in the mind of certain people like say that they say like that so and i think it comes also from this is highly colonized so it's it's just because it's not it's coming from here coming from europe it's considered being higher when the rest which has a probably more asian background <laughs> it's not so it's not about who is the best it's not about that it's not that it's just about respecting it as the same the same value so if you book or you do a show or you have a party and you have talking about my style afro dancers just just pay them the same way you would pay like a contemporary dancer you know it's not less valuable so and i think this is highly colonized i think certain type of dance for example or certain type of music are 
more valid and more variable than than others and uh how it could be in a party variable is like to make a space for them like a real space <laughs> not a side space not like you have five minutes and you can show your thing like a real space the same way you value something that you value but it's like I think it's that. And it's definitely come from the way you organize the party, the person that you take for the party, the space that you allow, um, the way it's presented. If you, you know, sometimes you can just have like an intro saying, this is this dance and this is on this music, this is coming from this country <laughs> and this culture. So, uh, and this is geographically here. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's words are powerful. So, so, I mean, to me, so taking time to explain the things because they are important. They are just not side things. And also, like, I don't know, decolonizing the way um, you talk, for example, the music that we, that we do, that it's not world music or whatsoever. You know, world music, this is not, I mean, it's not a thing. <laughs> so what about that? So it's also um, acknowledging that this person has worked, has talent, has uh, value for what uh, he, she, they are doing. And that's super important. I think this was like a good way to also sum up the round because it was so many valuable things and thoughts that were very fruitful for this conversation. Hopefully also our listeners will benefit from and to especially also give credit, thinking and reflecting on the legacies and cultures of marginalized communities and also center them in, into the spaces where they are performed that we also have to reconsider and think of like with measurements such as the roundtable, which the Awareness Academy is doing, for example, or also rethinking dance floor policies and in which way we can also like change in team structures or like also power positions in question of representation. So this means also like the process of decolonization and also diversification, right? And to sum it up or like to round it up, We have to aim for a club culture which is inclusive and able to admit that power structures in society are inevitably also existent in club spaces, right? We need to raise a sustainable awareness and diverse visions more than ever now and in a post-pandemic future, I would say. Yeah, and I think uh, you brought up so many good ideas and also just things to remember for shaping that post-pandemic future. So... Thank you so much for bringing all of those perspectives uh, here today to Transculture Express. I think Karamuru wanted to say something. Yeah, just a question. Also, because Pitoda wanted to say also something, he would do it in Portuguese. É, que estejam nesses locais pessoas que é, trabalhem, além de, de ter a visão né, decolonial, né? When we talk about colonization, we have to think also about the global aspect of colonization and that language also is a big part of the colonization as English or even German in the case of Berlin represents itself as a really global town, which is throughout the language. It's not, and it's not including uh, people which not speaking these colonized languages. Um, especially for Pritota, who's coming from Brazil and um, not his strong part is not the English language. He's learning, he can communicate himself, but um, to be included um, is a difficult point. And throughout um, finding a way, of course, through language and also maybe not through only language, because some people come here through two months and they have to learn the language, how we make a, um, a club more inclusive for people who don't speak the colonizer language. So this is basically one point you're saying, like, this has to be, it would be an important change for the clubs in realizing it. Yeah, that's a really important, uh, important point. Um, pictograms, for example, like rather working with pictures and images which are like non-language uh, specific also to communicate within like clubbing context if it has to be like non-verbal communication and just by like signs, for example. This is like small thinking attempts, but they could actually also bring in that kind of change in those spaces as well. All of these um, networks and institutions, um, they can be multilingual. How can they be inclusive of people who want to participate but don't speak the, the dominant language of the society? And why isn't it normal for them to reach in their pockets or go through their resources to ensure that everybody can understand 
I feel like that should be a norm and shouldn't be seen as an expense. And that's where you see where these obstacles are like also hindering access to Absolutely. knowledge, to participation. To, to participation, to funding, to, to access, accessibility into spaces. Um, it's, it's all there, you know, but when you, when you don't understand, then you don't know it's there. And then, and if no one's bringing it to your attention, then you miss all of these opportunities. And it's like, oh, sorry, uh, no, no BIPOC people applied. Mm. Sorry, yeah. no, no queer people applied, mm. you know? And it's just like, um, I think that there's a lot of work that needs to be done um, when it comes to decolonizing spaces. And I think it has so much to do with the institutions and the leadership. For example, whenever we have a, a party, we always put, on the bottom that like uh, we have zero tolerance for any kind of discrimination whatsoever, you know? And that's already just like, it's a flag, you know? We're trying to create the safer space and if you can't deal with these rules, then you can go somewhere else. I mean, it starts with the language and of course we put these, um, we, we, we write this not knowing what's going to happen. But at least when these people come and they take the risk to enter the space, they, knew, they know that the people who are organizing it are caring for them and, and are, are keeping these social issues in their mind and are ready to, to, to tackle those issues if they arise. That's true. This aspect of like caring that you mentioned, like maybe this pause, this pandemic times also, or this forced break leads us to also deepening this process of rethinking and shaping new um, way of like celebrating and come together. Yeah, in a better and more healthy way than we did before, maybe. Now we come to the official end. There were like two great closings here. Can I do the closing now? The Oscars or something? Like, damn. This was like a novella, huh? Don't expect come from nothing. No speeches accepted. I'm gonna just close it. Transculture Express will be back in a few weeks with Mandla, musician and active within the trans people community here in Berlin. Until then... You can follow us, of course, on social media. We are on Instagram and... And if you have any like further suggestions or wishes that we should talk about, slide in our DMs and please uh, leave a review. Thank you to Karamuru, Sarah Kahlo, and Luana Mandikera for being here from La Baile and Babix and Pitota on the phone. And of course, of uh, our friend from the Club Commission, Luam Gebe Maria. Thank, thank you for being here. And thank you for thank inviting you. us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Transculture Express. Transculture Express is produced by Frida Neander Rumo and Abilajan Balamurali. Music by Nina Lachin. No, we have to, we have to say goodbye <laughs> also. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>